Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. We're going to get into something that's more difficult, maybe, than normal. So we're going to start off with something really light and fun, because it won't last long. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna um, we're gonna play some bones trivia. All right, so here we go. What is in the center of the bone? We're gonna start easy. Cream cheese filling, a piece of bubble gum, or bone marrow. All right, there's the easy one. We're not even gonna answer that one. Okay, I'm just having fun, but it'll get progressively harder. There we go. All right, most commonly broken bone in children. Anyone? Collarbone. How many times has anyone broken it? I broke my right one twice when I was a kid. So I know this one to be true. All right. The smallest bone in the human body. I did not know the answer. What? Maybe? Oh, wait. Dustin, how did you know that? You're looking at it on the screen? Oh, man. Dude, see what I'm having to deal with here? Look at our staff. You can't get good help these days. Jeez. Okay. Over, under. Here we go. There are 200 bones in the human body. You taking the over or the under? All right. The over. The over it is. 206. Very good. And do I have another one? Yeah. This one's, this one's great. True or false, bones are completely remade every seven years. True. Yeah, now the one that relates to, yes, you see, finally, I stumped people, finally, it's about time. Yeah, the kind of cream cheese filling softball ones that I threw up there at the beginning. All right, now, this is the one that relates to what we're doing today. True or false, bones are not actually dry because they're made of living cells. Is that true or false? Okay, that is true. Um, Good job, not bad. So really, only what one caused us trouble. Was about it. Um, you probably guessed it already. Tonight, on the second Sunday of Advent, we are going to talk about bones. All right? Now, it may seem more fitting for Halloween than for Advent, but just hang with me for a couple minutes and give me a chance. Now, this is where I always take a risk if I want to talk about something like this. Does anyone, will anyone in here admit that they're fans of The Walking Dead? Anybody? Okay. One, two. All right. So I always take a risk when I do stuff to like, our pastor likes The Walking Dead. Yes, I do. It's true. Um, now, when that show first came out, I remember when it came out because I'm like, this a show about zombies has got to be the lamest thing ever. And so I refused to watch it, right? Because I'm not into zombies. It's not my thing. Um, but then I realized that the show is not actually about zombies at all. It's about us humans, human survival and the formation of human community in the face of these horrendous circumstances and constant death, Right? And when I gave the show a chance, I realized this is a really powerful show. When you get past all the violence, which um, I don't know if people like violent shows or not, but I'm not allowed to admit. Am I allowed to admit that I like violent shows? It's too late because I already said I like the show. Um, But not just popular culture, right? We're talking about um, in real life, too. Death is everywhere. Just look at the news. Turn on the news. I turned the news on this week a couple times. Stories about pandemics, disease, war, poverty, disaster, and of course, tragic school shootings like the one that we went through this week in Michigan. 
Now our community has lived through senseless acts of gun violence at Borderline, right? Um, and this week brought back a lot of memories for me. Just within this small church circles, we have someone that was with us for a long time and is friends with many of us here who is a two-time mass shooting survivor, Dylan McNay. Two. He's one of the few handful of people in the world that can say that, right? Um, and so when we, you know, just what, a couple weeks ago, we went through the anniversary of the borderline, borderline shooting. And it just, it got me thinking, this week brought back painful memories from, uh, from borderline and working with kids that were, were there. Um, Katie and I spent a lot of time working with a big group of kids that were present uh, that night, and it was really difficult. And so this week brought back a lot of memories for me, and I kept thinking, gosh, we are slow learners, man. We are slow learners. We can't keep our kids safe. Can't keep our community safe. It's a reminder that the world that we inhabit can be a very dark and difficult place, right? And so the book that we're going to look at today is Ezekiel, maybe as dark a book as there is in the Bible, to be honest. But in order to get to these images of hope that are found within the book of Ezekiel, first we have to walk through the Valley of Dry Bones. So we might, some of us might be familiar with this passage, which I'm super familiar with it, but to be honest, I'd never preached it before, um, which is strange. And so God is actually going to take the prophet Ezekiel and transport Ezekiel um, to the valley of death. And in this vision, Ezekiel is going to be confronted with death and despair. But what we're going to find at the end of that passage is that he will not be left without hope. God will breathe new life into these dry bones so that these bones will live. Here we go, friends. We're going to read from Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. Here it goes like this. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me around them. There were many living in the valley. They were very, very dry. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let's just acknowledge that right there, that's getting weird, right? Strange. What does this mean? Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place, on your, place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and will act. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now to set the historical frame for this passage, we're going to answer two questions. One of them is so easy, it'll take about two seconds. The other one's a tiny bit more challenging. Whose bones are they, and why are they so dry? All right? Easy one. The bones are representative, it says, of the whole house of Israel. The whole nation of people, the living for sure and probably including the departed. Now, why are they so dry? The bones in the vision are dry because of real historical trauma that these people had suffered. It's not a zombie apocalypse. The religious institution of the temple had been corrupted. The poor and vulnerable were being forgotten. And then on top of that, the Assyrians laid siege to the city of Jerusalem for two years. Two years of famine, disease, starvation, ultimate despair. In the end, the city was destroyed, the temple was razed, most of its inhabitants were killed, and those that lived were taken to Babylon and exiled out of their home and taken somewhere else. This is why the bones are so dry. Ezekiel himself personally had lost his wife during this time. Ezekiel was taken into exile. He saw his status go from a place of position of prominence to a temple-less priest in a foreign land. This was a very painful time for the whole house of Israel. In the vision, God leads Ezekiel on this grisly tour. We're supposed to picture a battlefield. This is what God shows Ezekiel. The bones had been there for a very, very long time. They're picked clean, they're dry and brittle. And the Assyrians were famous. This is a terrorist tactic. They were famous. They would just leave the bodies on the battlefield for the animals to pick clean. And this is a, a form of terrorism to keep people in line. And this is what God shows Ezekiel. It's not just theater. These people had really suffered. They had experienced trauma on many levels, much like the students and the teachers and the families that have gone through and lived through this school shooting in Michigan, much like our own community when it went through the wake of the borderline shooting. Even in our own small congregation, we have lots of people experiencing really challenging things right now. Some have experienced loss. Others of us are suffering other forms of family trauma. We all enter this space with some dry bones, some things that we're going through that are difficult, challenging. And we take a moment to acknowledge those things. We take a moment to acknowledge this thin line, this thin boundary between life and death. Maybe the cynicism or despair that we are feeling today, we acknowledge this. 
in order to recognize and bear witness to the pain and suffering that is not only in us, but all around us. Like the whole house of Israel, we carry these things, each of us, into this space with us today. And we look for this Advent God of hope to breathe new life into our dry bones. Well, in order to prophesy to the bones, Ezekiel had to do something first. He had to bear witness to the things that had created this situation in the first place. And God gave Ezekiel the grand tour. Bearing witness to trauma is painful but important work. The bones were there for so long. The scripture says that all hope seemed lost. The circumstances were impossible. And it was into this scene that a holy God asks Ezekiel this question. Mortal, can these bones live? In other words, like, can there be any healing? Can there be some form of restoration? Can new life come out of this impossible situation? Well, the evidence says no. They've been dead too long. The bones are too dry. They're too brittle. I love Ezekiel's response. I looked at it when I read it, and I said, it's humble and it's honest. He knows the situation is bad. But the thing about him is I find interesting is he recognizes that maybe with the power of God, maybe these bones can live. And so he just defers to God. He's like, God, you may know the answer, but I do not. That's his response. And then the strangest thing happens. God commands the prophet to prophesy, to speak the word of the Lord to the bones. Isn't that, it's, I, thought, I think it's weird. God asks him to do this. The bones will live not as skeletons when he does this, but as living, breathing human beings because God would breathe new life into them once again. And so in this vision, God gives Ezekiel uh, this word, Ezekiel's faithful. He prophesies to the bones. The bones start creaking and rattling. Did you hear those words? Like we're supposed to hear the sounds of those 206 bones in the human body assembling themselves and then being covered with sinew and flesh and skin. But notice what happens when that happens. There, it says there's no breath. What is it saying? They're not yet fully, they're not alive. And God then commands Ezekiel, yeah, the first sermon didn't do the trick, you know? He's got to try again. And so he does, and God says this time, continue, but this time prophesy directly to the breath. A strange thing to say, prophesy to the breath. I really wanted to get into this, and what does this mean? Well, here's something that we all know. What did God do in creating the world? How did God create? What does our origin story teach us? That God creates the world, including the humans, by the breath. Our breath reminds us that we are created and sustained by a God who put breath in us. Ezekiel was to pray for God's life-giving breath. And in the vision, the great multitude of the house of Israel, they rise to their feet. And then God brings a vision of hope through the breath, there's the shift from the metaphorical to the, the literal. And the shift is that Ezekiel's hope is restored because he knows that God is going to bring the house of Israel home. 
out of exile, out of Babylon, back to Jerusalem where they belong, right? And what is he thinking? He's like, God hasn't forgotten us. That's what the breath was, this reminder that they were still God's precious and loved people. This got me thinking. I was wondering to myself, could God's breath in our lungs, could this breath in our lungs be that same kind of reminder for each of us? A reminder that we too, no matter what it is that we're going through right now, a reminder that we too are precious, that we too are loved, that even in our pain, God is moving and sustaining us by the breath. Well, no matter how difficult things are, I think what this scripture is trying to remind us and give us some encouragement is that we're never beyond hope, that God can breathe new life into our dry bones. And I want to finish with my favorite thing by far, in this scripture. The thing that just absolutely blew me away is that Ezekiel, you know, God is the one who works the miracle of new life. But the human one, the mortal one, Ezekiel, is invited by God to participate. I love this part of the story. The immortal God partnering with the mortal human Ezekiel in the work of restoration. Ezekiel has a part to play. First, he bears witness to the reality of the darkness that's all around him. He doesn't minimize it. He understands fully what had brought the house of Israel to that place. He acknowledges it, but after acknowledging it, he bears witness to something else, something far greater than even death itself. He bears witness to the hope that he has in God. Advent is a season of hope. Together we cast a vision of hope for the dry bones that are all around us, even within us. These bones can live. Who do you know that needs an infusion of life? Who do you know in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our country, in our world? Who do you know that needs an infusion of hope? Do particular situations or people come to mind for you? They do for me. Pay attention to this. Because it may well be a place of invitation and participation for you. Maybe God's invitation to Ezekiel is also for us. Maybe we too acknowledge the pain and the suffering that these situations uh, all around us, how we feel about them. But we also testify to the hope that we have in the love of God. A God that created and sustains every living thing out of love. A God that's not above or beyond our pain, but actually enters into it with us in Jesus. This is what the birth, the incarnation is all about. God entering into our pain with us to say we are not alone. And so we bear witness in Advent that Christ is coming as we move forward toward Christmas Day. We bear witness that Christ has in fact come. God entering into and sharing our full humanity, which includes our suffering, our dry bones, in order to redeem it. Advent says that Christ will also come again.
to finish the job, to wipe away every tear, to right wrongs and establish a kingdom of peace and justice, a kingdom where gun violence and school shooting will be no more. I am looking forward to that day. Not only do we as people of faith long for this day, but look what God does with Ezekiel. He invites Ezekiel into it, into an invitation to participate with what God is actually doing. And so we know that today we strive for these things. God invites us to partner in this healing and restorative work of offering a God of hope where people need hope the most. A holy God invites us to join in this work of infusing hope when all hope seems lost. So friends, may we walk the valley of dry bones with humility, with trust, and with courage, like Ezekiel did. May we receive the divine breath of restored hope today. And may each one of us be a breath of fresh air to people around us who desperately need it today and this Advent season. Amen.